Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Good morning, everybody. Well, I hope everybody's having a fantastic time. I know it's spring break. Lots of people are doing all their, their fun vacations and everything else. Oh, but I'm ready to get back into the swing of things. All right, let's go ahead and dive right in. Father God, we just thank you for an incredible time in your presence. We thank you for your word to be made real and fresh to us today. We ask that you guide our conversation today into everything you want it to look like. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, let's go ahead and, 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 and jump right into John chapter 18. John chapter 18. All right. In John chapter 18, verse 1, it says this, is that when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden where he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew this place. For Jesus often met with his disciples there. Verse 3. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priest and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. When he asked them again, whom are you seeking? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. That he that the saying might be fulfilled which was spoke, of whom you gave me, I have lost none. Simon Peter, having drew a sword, struck the high priest's servants, the high priest's servants, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malachus. So Peter, Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which the Father has given me? Then the detachment of troops and the captains and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him to Ananias first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now Caiaphas, who advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. I find it interesting as we gather into the next few weeks, as we go to this journey that Jesus went on all the way to the cross, that the story of Judas is a story that's a lot more relevant to the majority of us than we ever want to give it credit to. If you've ever been to a funeral, uh, you heard a sermon, or maybe somebody gave a speech, or somebody told you the story of a deceased individual that made you take note. It made you pull back and self-reflect in the moment of that, that tragic time. Uh, maybe they died because uh, they weren't wearing a helmet when they were riding down the road. Um, maybe they didn't take care of their bodies and you had to all of a sudden go on a crash diet because you didn't want to, your spouse says, hey, you're losing 100 pounds tomorrow. Um, and so you go through these things. 
The, the thing about me is that um, it seems to me, like in the story of Judas, if we just blow past his life and we don't self-reflect and we just chalk it up to just this guy who betrayed Jesus, we're missing a huge part of the whole story. Weird things happen to me on a regular basis. Like, on a regular basis. This past week, I took my kids um, on a little mini vacation. And uh, on the way up, Malachi goes, Hey, Dad, I want Panda Express. Which, being the self-sacrificing father that I am, I said, absolutely. And so we sat and we ate. Now, I- I'm-, I'm building up the story so you can understand the chain of events. So we eat there. We throw our trash away there. We get into, back into my vehicle and we drive the rest of the way to the hotel. We check into our hotel, we go upstairs, we change out of our clothes, get into our bathing suits, go downstairs, swim for hours, go back to our room, take another shower, change our clothes yet again, go to dinner, come back, and then when we go to the pool a second time, uh, on our way back up, I, I look at Malachi, and I'm like, oh, I've got to take these towels back down to the hotel pool, otherwise they'll charge me $15, $15 a towel. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. So I go to take the towel downstairs, Bob, and as I stand there, I push the button, the elevator ding, opens the door. There's two ladies, two ladies, and three kids. And so I walk in, and I'm like, hey, we're going all the way down? They're like, yeah, we're going all the way down. Great. So I'm standing there, and you ever gotten to an elevator with weird people, and they just stare, like, at you? Like, I feel like the protocol is that everyone should face the door. Am I the only person? And so I'm not the weird guy that just gets in the elevator and just stares everybody down. So I do what's respectful. I turn my back and stare at the reflection. So the ladies are talking and, and doing their thing. Everyone's chit-chatting. This little boy couldn't be above the age of 10 goes, did you enjoy Panda Express today? And I turn and I looked and the mom starts cracking up laughing. And I went, actually, I did. Instantly, everyone gets silent. The mom's countenance changed dramatically. Blood leaves her face, stone cold white, and she looks at him and goes, how did you know? At this moment, I'm thinking, do I have a sticker? Do I... I know I don't smell, like, can't, because I've taken a shower, I've gone on chlorine, I've done my thing, I've changed my clothes, and I'm like, my heart's racing. <laughs> this kid, child of the corn, stone-faced. <laughs> and listen, I'm not going to lie to you guys, like, I believe in the prophetic, but in that moment, y'all, in that moment, I needed an old priest and a young priest, because the power of Christ compels thee. Like, I'm, re- I'm looking for a holy water. That door could not have opened fast enough, and this kid's just stone cold, just, I was Panda Express. And I went, it was good. It was good. The mom, how did you know those things? Without flinching, the kid goes, I had a hunch. <laughs> Y'all, nose to nose, the corner of that elevator. I, 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 I'm could not. The heebie-jeebies, everything you could possibly imagine, I'm like, this kid, I'm waiting for pea soup, head starts, something. I'm like, something, something. Elevator's door, like, no one take, no one says a word. The rest of the ride down. Not a word. Detention is built. It's there. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. The door's open. The kid walks right out of the door, stops and goes, Malachi told me. 
falls apart laughing. He went the entire way. Let the tension build. I looked at his mom and I went, you just ruined my entire trip. Like my heart, she goes, your heart? I have to sleep with this thing. And I didn't know he's like reading. I'm like, well, you need to take him on the road because that was ridiculous. I call my mom immediately. I'm like, creepy things happen. I call my sister, tell her what's going on. Y'all, we get, I get back to the room the next day. The next day, I go to the pool, minding my business, watching my kids, being a semi-decent dad, because they're old enough where they can run around. And so Malachi's like, hey, I want to go outside to the, to the bigger pool. Will you go outside with me? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I walk outside. I sit in the chair to watch Malachi. This guy walks up to me, sits down next to me, and he goes, ugh, I got to sit next to you, an Alabama fan? And I had my hat on, and I laughed. Guy had a cast on his toe. And he just had the look of disappointment like an Auburn fan. And so I just, I said, I, I don't know which sadder, your toe or your team. Either way, here we are. So we, we cut back and forth. We're just goofing around, joking about things. And all of a sudden, he, he takes a drink, and he goes, are you a preacher? Do, what, what, do I have a name badge of appendix preacher? He's a pen, like, and I went, why would you say that? And he goes, my wife's been trying to get me to talk to one of you people. I'm like, it's the first time I could look at a brother and go, you people? Like, so I'm like, I'm like, here we are. And I said, okay. Uh, and he goes, she died six months ago. And I went, okay. Boom, start sobbing. And he's like, I'm a Marine, and I'm not supposed to be doing this but I can't keep my mouth shut when I'm around you. So he just spills his guts. He's just sobbing in this moment. I realize that these are the moments that God has ordained. It, you know, the church service moments are beautiful. The, when EJ leads us into worship, it's beautiful. But you've got to be ready in season and out of season. When you're in a three-piece suit and when you're wearing nothing but bathing suits, like you've got to be ready to minister. And, and, and I'm sitting there listening to this man just, just telling me his whole story. And the crazy part of the story was that his wife is a nurse, and uh, he has been shot a few different times overseas. And so he's like, I deal with chronic pain. He goes, our prescriptions were supposed to be filled, but the pharmacist wasn't there, so we have to wait till the next weekend. He's like, but I was in pain. And so I told her to call my friend who has some stuff for us. I said, okay. And he said, and so when she called me and said, hey, I'm having a headache, he said, oh, take one of the things that, and I'm, I'm inserting somebody's name, John gave us, uh, you should go to sleep and be fine. The problem was is that he didn't realize that what John gave her, one of the pills was fentanyl. And she never woke up. And his problem was is that that pill was meant for him, in his mind. And so now I'm talking to this man who's now going from serving our nation for all these years as a Marine to now being a single father of four girls, at a water park, and he's sobbing, and now we have these two men, and I'm holding him, very weird, all because he's, he recognized something. 
something inside of him was attracting to something. And, 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 and I want you to understand in the story that, we're, that we just read and what we're going to be talking about is that in life and in every situation, the good, the bad, and the unbelievably ugly, there has to be moments where you learn. We don't typically learn in the good moments. We typically learn in suffering. I mean, just to be honest with you, if the children of Israel learned in the great moments, once they got free from, from, from Egypt, they never would have turned their backs from God. But it seemed like in their levels of, of prosperity, if you will, they became numb to God, but in their suffering, they learned to turn towards God. And I'm, I'm talking to this man in the lowest moment of his life where God, uh, or his wife has been getting him for years to try to talk to one of me people. And in a moment where a, a horrible and horrific accident takes place, now he's talking to one of us. And, and, and where I'm doing the best to minister and I'm doing the best to guide, I'm doing the best to guard and doing all of those things. And as I'm sitting there talking to this man, I'm finding myself in awe going, these are one of the moments that I'm not prepared for but he prepared me for it. it. When I know that I'm walking into a meeting, I can kind of guesstimate what this meeting's going to be about. If somebody calls me at 10 o'clock and goes, hey, my wife and I want to talk to you, typically, it's not good. There are bad things. There's a, I can guesstimate either there's an issue with their kid or there's an issue with their marriage. That's pretty much what's going on. Uh, I wasn't ready to have a conversation, but Holy Spirit is always ready. And I think one thing when I look at the story of Judas, <laughs> there's some lessons that we need to learn. It's a painful lesson. There's two types of thoughts about Judas. A, that this was a sovereign thing that God decided from the foundations of the earth that it would be this man. He had no choice and no say-so at all. He was just ordained to betray Jesus, and that was it. The other thought is that Judas just walked a walk, and his path led him that direction because lack of repentance. I, I like to think it was the latter. And some of the lessons from Judas that we're going to walk through today are, are hard for us to hear, but we need to walk through it. Because Judas lost his desire to have the presence of Jesus. That's a painful lesson that he learned. Because of his choices, he gave up fellowship with the apostles and other believers. Because of his decisions, he lost the ability and the privilege to participate in the kingdom of God on earth. Because of his decision, he lost reward in heaven. And this is supposed to be the time where I make a pastor joke and say, at least he got 30 pieces of silver out of it. What do you get? But I'm not going to point fingers at anybody today. Um, you know, we all have become these moments of betrayers. We've all had these moments where we've messed up. We've all had these moments where... We've, we've made horrible decisions. In all seriousness, Judas had un... Think about this. Unrestricted and unhindered access to Jesus. He was shoulder to shoulder with James, John, and Peter. In Matthew's Gospel, we see that all 12 of them performed miracles, including Judas. And it's wrong to think that we could be so great that we would be exempt from walking in similar footsteps. No, we will never 
to betray Jesus where he will have to be hung on a cross and we're going to trade him for 30 pieces of silver because typically what happens is that we betray him for much less. The first lesson, if you're taking notes, of Judas, the very first lesson is this, is Judas allowed familiarity to contempt him. Judas was there. He watched blind eyes open. He saw the leopards cleansed. He watched men who were paralyzed get up and run. And he watched a woman at the well say, Jesus told me everything that I've ever done. He saw the woman with the issue of blood get healed. And from Lazarus all the way through, Jesus, Judas was a part of it all. And there's an important verse in Luke chapter 6 and verse 16 that I, I kind of want to highlight to show a little bit of progression of Judas. Luke 6, 16 says this, And Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Notice that. He became a traitor. He wasn't picked as a traitor. He became a traitor. Later on in John chapter 6, it says this is that Jesus says, I have chosen all 12 of you, and even one of you is the devil. That's harsh. But can I tell you between Luke 6 and John 6, where Luke 6 says he became a devil, John 6 says he is the devil, between those two chapters is this, the Sermon on the Mount, centurion servant was healed, the widow's son was raised, numerous other sermons, uh, conversations and parables were done, the calming of the sea, the demoniac healed, Jairus' daughter being raised, the woman with the issue of blood being healed, not one but two men's sight being restored, a mute was healed, all the disciples were sent out to perform miracles, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus walks on on water. And after all of that, Jesus says, and one of you is a devil. He was a part of all of those things. And one thing I've watched over and over and over again, as you have too, is that people will come to the faith in moments of desperation when their life is falling apart, when everything is over, and, they, and then they, all of a sudden they become comfortable with once the things they called sacred. And this is the biggest demise that's taken place in our nation. This is what's taken place in our city. This is what's taken place in our churches. The first thing to be a Jesus betrayer is being comfortable with what you once called sacred. Just like Judas. His familiarity with everything allowed him to think it'll always be there. His familiarity with everything allowed him to think that it's not a big deal not an issue at all because what we see in people's lives is that they once had a passion that they've lost and then they lose it but they want to stay looking good so they trade their passion for professionalism and we see all of these christians get saved and they're raw and it's messy and it's nasty and they love jesus and they're sobbing at the altar and they do jericho marches and they're just raw it's like a baby learning how to walk they slip they fall they do all the goofy stuff and then all of a sudden they learn some things and they become professional christians and what happens is that judas became a professional he lost his passion and now we can walk in, we can close our eyes, we can sing the song without ever looking at the lyrics, and we can have one hand raised and texting what's for lunch with the other, where we have the appearance of passion, 
but our hearts are far from what's going on. With Judas, he allowed himself to become a professional disciple instead of a passionate disciple. I see this in 1 Samuel chapter 2. There's a man named Eli who was an amazing man. He loved God with all of his heart. He served God well. Eli had his sons being trained in the ways of being a priest. And all of those things. However, they, his sons, got comfortable around the presence of God. It says this, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. It's a good mention in the Bible for you. They did not know the Lord. The customs of the priests with the people was that with any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand, and he would thrust it into the pan or the kettle, the cauldron or the pot, and all that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest's servants would come and they would say to the man who was sacrificing, Give me meat. And the man would say, Let them burn the fat first and then take as much as you want. And they would say, No, you will give it to me now. And if not, I will take it by force. These young men who were once raised in church, raised in the things of God, raised around all of these things, decided that they would work the system for themselves. Where God became a business, where their faith became just a normal thing, where it was about themselves. Judas got comfortable because when we find ourselves being comfortable with our faith, we lose respect. That happened to me once. I lost respect for my mom once. Once. At a hotel. I told her, shut up. My dad defied the laws of gravity with my body. And I find myself flying through the air. I lost respect. I, I became comfortable with the person of Marsha and lost respect for the position of Marsha as my mom. She, be, she went from my mom, or I should say his wife, to bro. Moms, dads, your job is not to be your kid's friend. You don't reach the upper echelon of parenthood when they're your bro. Later on in life, it's a desire to be friends with your family and your, your kids, your mom and everything like that. But when they are still living in your home and they're under the age of 20, I, I would dare say they need to understand the respect for your position more than that they get what they want. Judas didn't have that. He lost the respect. He, ne he, he became a traitor because he first found himself living a life that was full of contempt towards Jesus. And that's what people in the church do. They go through the motions. They fake it till they make it. They wear masks because the masks are more important to wear than seeking his face. Can I tell you when our, our priorities are to look good in front of everybody else instead of dropping to our knees in worship, we've got a problem. That if I can't raise my hands because a coworker is next to me or because somebody may be watching online, if I can't passionately worship the way that I want to because I may embarrass myself in front of other people, I think we're losing 
the heart of what we're supposed to be doing here. I tell you, it's not enough to be close to Jesus. It's not enough to hear the words of God. It's not enough to perform miracles. It's not enough to talk the talk. It's about life change. Our walk is about life change. And Judas would not allow the words of the Messiah to penetrate his heart. This is where we find many people today is that we have this idea of I want to have a life of greatness. I want to live a life of meaning, but I'm not willing to go through the process of being transformed. I would much rather have somebody just give me all the authority, power, give me all the accolades. I would much rather just... The amount, of, the amount of students that I hear now when I ask what they want to do and it's become a YouTube star or, in, or a TikTok famous, I go, what are, you, what are we doing as parents? Like This is the upper echelon of what we want to do. I want to be on my house, be at my house. I want a phone on me, and I want people to send me money or pay me royalties to watch me play a video game. And I'm like, this is, this is where we are. I want fame, and I want success, and I want power, but I don't want to have a price to pay. And this is what part of being the faith is meaning, is that being transformed from one thing to another. Judas would not allow life and the words to transform him. And in this case, this is where I asked myself when I was laying in bed writing this. You can ask my parents. The direction of this entire message was going completely differently as of like 3 o'clock sitting at their pool yesterday afternoon. But when was the last time you let the words that were preached caused you to look inwardly? When, when was the last time you lost yourself in His presence and didn't care about time? When was the last time you were so deeply involved in worship that you didn't even keep count of how many times we sing a chorus? When was the last time you were passionate about His presence? And more passionate about His presence than making plans for lunch? No, it's a lot easier for me to do is to blame others. Well, if you would preach better, Pete, then I'd be more engaged. If you would sing better, then I would be more engaged. If they would have the lights dimmed a little more or a little brighter, if they would raise the music louder, if they would turn it back down, if they would do all these things that would make me, can I tell you, I can't change you. My words can't change you. EJ's voice can't change you. The band can't change you. These lights can't change you. You ready for this? Jesus speaking in front of you cannot change you. You giving access to the words, engaging in the worship, submitting your life to his plan is what changes you. It's just so crazy because the amount of time I've heard people, not at this church, just in general, if they would preach deeper, I would get more. And I find it so mind-boggling that uh, have we gotten so deep that we forgot the basics? Have we gotten so deep that we, we, we've lost the foundations of the Word? 
When the gospel no longer is encouraging for us, it's just, oh, I've heard John 3.16 before. We've lost something. We've become familiar with something. When, 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 when church attendance is now just something that I will look towards if I feel like it, when our life was dying and we couldn't, we couldn't get in the doors fast enough, but now we're comfortable. The second lesson of Judas is that Judas wanted Jesus to be the Messiah, but on his terms. Judas did want Jesus to be the Messiah, just on his terms. Because when we start, when we become con- uh, familiar and we become contemptful with the, with the sacred, we still hold on truth to the idea of what we are wanting and desiring and to have this Messiah, but we want this now Messiah to be what we want him to be. There's a story in the Gospels of Right before the Passover, Jesus is, is reclining at a table with Simon the leper, and a woman came with an alabaster jar. It's a very expensive perfume inside of it, and she broke the jar and poured the perfume all over his head. One of the Gospels say some people, the book of John says it was Judas, became indignant and say, why the waste? See, when Jesus didn't do what Judas expected him to do anymore, Judas was quick to turn on Jesus. Because when Jesus corrects Judas, Judas runs straight to the priest to betray him. In other words, Jesus, why would you sanction something that I disagree with? And if that's the kind of God you're going to be, I'll show you what I'll do to you. I can pop that bubble. I can bring that house down. I can talk about that preacher. I can bring, talk about that. I, I, I know where the bodies are buried. That's what Judas is saying right here. So what about me? What about Pete? What happens when Jesus doesn't do something that I expect him to do? Or worse, he does the opposite of what I want him to do. What's my reaction? What's my demeanor when he blesses the sinner who is mean to me, yet I continue to suffer? What am I doing when I pour my blood, sweat, and tears into ministry and someone else is getting the praise that I deserve? Or worse, I get treated as if I'm insignificant and that person's more important than me. What happens when sickness attacks my kids, when our jobs begin to get cut back? What happens when I do all the right things and it seems all the bad is happening? Am I going to be quick to betray my Jesus because I'm serving a God with preconditions? You are my Messiah as long as you do what I expect you to do. And anybody who has full access 
full access to a, 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 a Jesus and has the gall to go, I still expect you to jump through my hoops. How would I not do the same thing 2,000 years later? Because what happens is, is that we want Jesus to be the wonderful philosopher, but not the prophet that tells us what to do. We love the idea of happy Jesus, but not judge, but Jesus that, that there's pain in. We love the idea of the Jesus that covers my sin, but not the Jesus that convicts me of my sin. We, we, we have these, which Jesus do I want? And the moment that Jesus doesn't do what I want him to do, and no longer is he my Messiah, my Lord, my Savior, he's, you know what, I'm going to pull back. And I'll show you how valuable I am. What are you going to do without me? This is Judas. You think this place would run without me? Judas Iscariot, the purse holder, had the money. Who are you going to trust? Matthew, a tax collector who's been a cheat his whole life? Because Jesus was no longer, was, was contemptible to Judas, Judas found himself full of pride. I'll show you what I can do. Judas called worship wasteful. What is this waste? If I ever find myself in a place where I'm judging somebody else's worship, have mercy on me, O oh God. Why would you cry like that? Why would you run like that? Why would you raise your hands like that? Why would you get on your knees like that? Not out of a sense of wonder and awe, but of, ugh, here they go again. Yeah, when my worship time is wasteful time, I think it's heart check time. Last lesson from Judas. Judas knew about Jesus, but he never took the time to know him. I'll prove it to you. Matthew chapter 26. Now the evening was come, and he sat down with the twelve, and they all did eat. And he said, Verily I say to you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful and began every one of them to say to him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dips their hand in with me with a dish is the one that will betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written before him, but woe to him, woe unto that man by whom the Son is betrayed. It had been better for him if he had not been born. The disciples are looking at him. Listen to this. Lord, is it I? But what does Judas ask? Judas looks at him and says, Master, is it I? That, that word master is rabbi. All other disciples use the word Lord, supreme ruler, creator of everything. Is it I? Judas, hey, teach. Is it I? When Peter had a conversation with, with Jesus, he called him rabbi. Early in his discipleship. As he knew more and more about Jesus, Peter has this epiphany that this is not a good teacher. This is the, son, this is the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Judas started off as a rabbi, 
and never got to know the heart of Jesus, so he stayed as a teacher. You can be raised in church, and your kids can be raised in church, but if we're not teaching them to connect with Christ, he will always just be a good philosopher. He'll always be somebody that talks about the Beatitudes and, and the good book. It's, it's, it's crazy because I opened up with talking about a funeral, and the amount of times I've watched people live just horrible, sinful, wretched lives. But because one time when they were six years old, their grandma made them go get saved and they're going to make it to heaven. And I go, do they know Jesus? Because there's nothing in the word that says just because you said a prayer when you were six that you are in a relationship with Jesus. Judas followed him for three and a half years and he didn't know Jesus. Judas slept next to the man. Judas ate with the man. Judas listened to more preaching about, from Jesus than anybody else except for the disciples that were there. Judas performed miracles with Jesus and the other disciples. Judas was the bookkeeper for Jesus to make sure that they were funded okay. When other people said, I can't believe that we can feed 5,000 people, Judas didn't speak up and say, you're right. No. Judas was in every single moment of every single opportunity. But can I tell you, opportunity and proximity to Jesus doesn't mean that you know him. Just like you can be in this church for 20 years and know of Pastor Allen, but never get to know him. Judas never knew Jesus. In the book of Matthew, we see that Judas decides that after everything has done and over with, that he seemingly has this moment where he understands and he repents, if you will. And, and Matthew paints this moment where Judas has this awakening and he throws the money back at them and he's, his heart is broken. But here's the thing where I want to find out. The difference is, is that so many times what causes that reaction with Judas is he watched Jesus be taken. He watched Jesus be tortured. He watched all of those things, and there was a contrition inside of him. But the issue is in 2023, we don't get to see our, our consequences of betraying Jesus, so there's never any repentance of what we've done. And we live life as if we are elbow to elbow with Jesus and his bros but we're not and we're far from him the story of Judas is a tragic story it starts off with a man who took something that was sacred and made it simple he then takes that thing and goes well if you're not going to be my messiah the way that I want you to be with my conditions and my expectations then I'm going to be full of pride and do it my own way and at the very end of it all, we see Judas get to this moment where we realize that he didn't actually know who Jesus was to start with. He never allowed the times that was next to him, the times of worship, the times of the word, the times of the miracles, to change his heart to becoming more and more pliable. Y'all, look at Peter. He was a wreck. A wreck. And watch his progression with his faith and being changed from glory to glory because he allows the words of, of Jesus to penetrate his heart. And Peter would sin and go, I'm going to get back. Peter would sin, I'm going to get back. Peter would sin, I'm going to get back. Judas was too prideful to ever admit he had a single problem. It's the people that you look around and be like, you got problems, got tons of problems, tons of things are wrong with me. Like what? Well, I don't know anything off the top of my head, but I'm sure I've got faults. Like, you ask me my faults, I'm going to ask you how much time you got. Like, let's, let's walk through this thing. 
the story of Judas is a scary story for me because I'm going to be very transparent. It resembles so many people that walk amongst us today. As we wrap this thing up today and we, we continue our journey next week on, towards the cross and, and, and watch another element of the crucifixion of what took place, ask yourself, has your heart grown cold to the things of God like they, that, than they used to be? Have you found yourself becoming a professional Christian? Have you found yourself looking at Jesus with conditions? Have you found yourself, if I can say it, full of pride? Upset that he doesn't do what you want him to do? Have you found yourself into a spot in your walk with Jesus where you have a lot of head knowledge, but he honestly hasn't had your heart in a while? If so, there's yellow caution lights flashing before you today. And it's simple. All we have to do is do exactly what Jesus, Judas should have done. And that's have a conversation. Jesus already knew. He knows what's going on. He knows all the things. And all you've got to do is say, Jesus, I am so sorry for the way that I've conducted myself. I'm sorry for allowing length of years, circumstances of life, problems in my, 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 my world to create a cold and callous heart. God, please, as your word says, replace my heart of stone for a heart of flesh once again. Cry out to him and turn towards him today. So God, we just ask that you, as, as everybody who's listening now and who will listen to the podcast or maybe on, 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 online right now, that you just begin just to, to stir our hearts, God, awaken us for our location just like the best GPS possible, show us where we are, show us what needs to be done. And Father God, give each and every one of us opportunity today to make things right with you. In your mighty name, amen and amen. We love you guys. We'll see y'all soon. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.